We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I am Courtney Eck. And I'm Sadie Eck. And real quick, right at the top here, just want to say a little something without bawling our eyes out before we jump in. Those of you who know us know we keep banter at the back, but when innocent people are dying, I think it's important to put a little bit of banter right up at the top Mm -hmm. and say that I'm sick to fucking death of innocent people suffering so that a very small handful of men can dominate us in service of hoarding all the shit. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to pretend like I am an expert on what's going on in the Middle East, but I do know with every fiber of my being that people are suffering and it's fucked up. Yeah. And I don't like that we are co-signing that suffering in this country one little bit. So our hearts are with you. Mm-hmm. Let's cut this shit out and let's get like some like risk boards and monopoly boards and let those idiots <laughs> go in your playroom. Like, oh my God, look, you got all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You did no, it. You, you got, got all this stuff. You got the strategic land masses. Good job. You did it. Mm-hmm. That's so good. You got all mm-hmm. the money, every money. That's so cute. Good job, yes, guys. Right? I know. And then meanwhile, we can go get aid and people safe and out of <sighs> war. And yeah, when the vast majority of the world just wants to get up and have a sandwich, you know, like mm-hmm. hug your kids and have a sandwich. That's all we ask. Yeah. And we can't do that because a tiny minority of people in this world need all the things and all the power. It's disgusting. And it's time's up. Nope. I don't stand for what's happening. We don't stand for what's happening. No. Lots and lots of innocent people are losing their lives and their livelihoods. And. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, that said, what are we talking about to no. say, Sadie? Well, Ugh. I know. This is the terrible story of Janine Grinzel and Lori McKenna. Tell us everything. On February 2nd, 1985, 16-year-old Janine Grinzel and 17-year-old Lori McKenna were excited and nervous. The two teens were classmates and best friends who went to Burlingame High School in Burlingame, California, which is a city just south of San Francisco. When they left home that day, they told their families they were going out for lunch, but when that was done, they were looking for something else to do. The two had been hearing rumors at school that a security guard who worked for the legendary Carolyn's Chateau 
was giving students tours of the now-abandoned mansion. Whoa. They were told to drive the 10 minutes to Hillsboro, California, and wait for the guard at the gates of the property. They did as they were told, and before too long, a young guy in his early 20s saw them and approached the gate. He agreed to let them in. Their fate was now solely in his hands. Ah, no, God, what is this chateau? What? God, no. The Carolans Chateau is a 46,050 square foot mansion. Excuse me? Is that possible? Uh (laughs) So much square feet. So many. With four and a half floors and 98 rooms. Holy shizzles. It's surrounded by nearly six acres, which is a metric shit ton of property when you're just 30 minutes from downtown San Francisco. You're not kidding. In 1912, Harriet Pullman Carolyn bought 554 acres in Hillsboro with a vision to build, quote, a grand French chateau on the top of a hill. I read that her husband was like, yeah, there's too much road traffic noise <laughs> in the early 18, or early 1900s. Oh, my God. And so Harriet was like, okay, let's go buy all of the property in Northern California. That's insane. Harriet was the daughter of George Pullman, a train car millionaire who was that's one of the... That's from my town. That's from my town. That's from Is Michigan he, City. Really? Yeah. I know that she was in Chicago. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, that's, that's where why that's why Michigan City is here. It's the train cars. We were the biggest manufacturer of train cars in the world mm-hmm. at one point. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. He was one of the wealthiest men alive at the time. When Harriet and Frank were married, George gifted Harriet a diamond tiara and $400,000 cash, Ooh. which is the equivalent of more than $13.5 million today. Damn. Wedding gift. Here wow. you go, sweetheart. Which is why she can afford to buy all of California. Yeah. The chateau took more than four years to build. And when it was finished, along with the 98 rooms, came nine bedrooms and baths, each with an antechamber Mm -hmm. to guarantee quiet and privacy. The kitchen was covered with white glass tiles on the walls and ceiling. And there was a service elevator connecting all the floors. The butler's pantry and mezzanine were also covered in Delft ware tile which, if you know anything about tiles, the best. <laughs> it's a fancy hand-painted Victorian tile. Harriet and Frank only lived there for a year together before their marriage fell apart and they separated. Yeah, probably over the stress of building this freaking chateau. Are you kidding? Yeah. Harriet closed the Carolyn Chateau the year after in 1917. After this, the massive property exchanged hands a few times over the years. Most of the property was sold off, but it was mostly left empty and began to fall into disrepair. Oh, no. I was going to say, can you still go there? Mm-hmm. You can now. The federal government considered buying Carolyn's with the idea it could be the sitting president's West Coast White House. Damn. But that never happened. It was scheduled to be torn down multiple times until it was finally added to the list of California historical landmarks in 1975. This meant it couldn't be torn down by developers, but it continued to change hands and remained vacant. In 1982, adult filmmakers gained access to the site where they produced the adult film All American Girls. (laughs) Of course they did. Mm -hmm. By the time Janine and Laurie found themselves at the gates of Carolyn's, it had round-the-clock security, but otherwise was unoccupied. Janine asked the guard, 23-year-old David Allen Rayleigh, 
if he would give them a tour of the place, and he agreed on the condition that they move their car to a spot where it could not be seen from the road. Rayleigh then led the girls into the front entryway and through a, quote, maze of hallways and ballrooms, allowing them to marvel at the grandness of it all. During the tour, Rayleigh casually mentioned to Laurie and Janine that some girls he'd given tours to in the past had agreed to have sex with him as payment. Uh-huh. The teens laughed this off, but decided to hurry up a little bit to get out of the mansion and away from the creep giving them the tour. Uh-huh. But before this could happen, just a few minutes later, Rayleigh froze and told them to be quiet. He said he thought he could hear police dogs outside and rushed the girls into the basement. Uh-uh. He led them to a large safe and told them to get inside uh-uh. until the police were gone. They begged him to let them hide somewhere else, but he reassured them he wouldn't close the door. Oh, my God. When they did as they were told, he broke his promise and closed the door on them anyway, trapping them inside. Oh, my God. Trigger warning for all things awful, sexual assault, kidnapping, uh-huh. it's just bad. Once the doors were closed, there was nothing but silence for the next few minutes, but that would change when suddenly they could hear Rayleigh calling out Laurie's name in a, quote, teasing, sing-songy voice. Oh, God, no! Taunting them, he said he would open the safe store, but first they would both have to remove their clothing. After Janine and Laurie stripped down to their underwear, Rayleigh opened the door. They found him standing in front of them with a large knife in his hand. He explained that, quote, they would have to fool around with him for five minutes, but then he would release them. After handcuffing them both, he took turns sexually assaulting them. After he was finished, he told the girls he would let them go if they promised to stay quiet about the assault, and they agreed. He let them get dressed and then walked them to a door near the safe. He handcuffed Lori to the door and said he would walk Janine to the car and then come back to get Lori. Instead, Rayleigh started beating Janine with the club. I've also heard it was a claw hammer. No, God. And when she tried to run away, he started stabbing her. Oh, man. Why, dude? (sighs) He then went back to Lori and tried to pull her down a dark hallway. When she resisted, he pulled out his knife and stabbed her in the abdomen. Rayleigh also beat her with his club. When he was finished with his terrible attack... Rayleigh rolled the girls up in a large carpet and put them in the back of his car. Mm. He then went back to work to finish his shift. Predators in security positions. Mm -mm. I know it happens a lot. I know it's Mm -hmm. a common place for predators to hide because, of course, you trust the security person, right? Mm -hmm. Their whole job is to secure things. Right. Well, and you've got it's two against one. You're safe. It's the middle of the day. Yeah. Beautiful Saturday. He's a young say. guy. He's not some old creeper. No, poor. he got the job. If he does something to us, they'll know who did it because he was the one working the shift and yep. he has our car. That's how totally. I justify like being home alone with workers and stuff. It'll be fine. Right. <sighs> and most of the time it is. Yeah. Once he was done with work. Oh, and Eve, I read also that while he was finishing his shift, a police officer came to just shoot the shit with him while these girls were in the back of his trunk. Oh, my God. Once he was done with work, Rayleigh drove home. He lived with his father and little sister, and when he arrived, he opened the trunk and let the girls out to stretch their legs. He went into the garage and let them out. Janine and Lori begged him to let them go and told him they were freezing. They also had suffered multiple stab wounds. Yeah. 
and were bleeding. Yeah. Riley spent the next few minutes cleaning blood out of the trunk and then went inside and got the teens a sleeping bag and a blanket. Lori tried to talk with Riley, but he wouldn't engage with her. She asked him what he planned to do with them, but he didn't reply to that either. She asked him to take them to a hospital and swore she would never tell anyone who had injured them. Rayleigh replied by giving her a, quote, death stare and then left the garage. When he returned, he had a rifle, which he pointed at Lori, telling her if she wasn't silent, his friend Bob would have to kill her. Oh, don't name the gun. God. Mm -mm. He then ordered them to get back into the trunk. He left them there while he ate dinner and then played a casual game of Monopoly with his little sister until 11 p.m. After this, he finally decided to deal with the girls and drove them out to a ravine known for dumping garbage on Silver Creek Road. When he took them out of the trunk, they were both barely still alive. He beat them again with his club and then one by one rolled them down the steep ravine. Rayleigh then got in his car and drove away, leaving them to die. What on earth? How have I never heard of this is what I think every time I hear stories like this. I know. As the sun rose the next morning, someone driving down the road next to the ravine couldn't believe what they were seeing. A young woman, covered in blood and mud, was crawling her way to the road for Uh help. Uh -uh. When they pulled over, Lori McKenna begged them to help her and said her friend Janine was still in the ravine below. Oh my god. They were both still alive, but just barely. Oh, chills in my bones. Mm Mm-hmm. The Good Samaritans tried to offer the girls first aid, but quickly realized their wounds were far too severe. One man on the scene later told police that while he crouched near Janine, they could hear onlookers mention the word rape. When Janine heard them, she became very upset and used what little energy she had left to explain to the man that the attacker hadn't raped them, but, quote, had made them take off their clothes and fool around with him. Mm. And he didn't. It doesn't matter. He did rape them. Mm-hmm. He just didn't penetrate them with his penis. Right. He made it really clear to them that they were just fooling around. It wasn't rape. Yep. Although he did all sorts of other sexual things they didn't want to do with him, but they yep. didn't want to be labeled as rape victims. Mm-hmm. And have to defend themselves mm-hmm. as they're barely hanging on for yeah. life. Yeah. 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 And it just sums up the 80s. Big time. In early 90s. And, and rape culture. That it would have been their, yes, it would have been yeah. their fault had he actually, like, and I hate even to say actually rape, he did rape them, but they really didn't want that idea to be on them because it would have been their fault had it happened. Totally. Which, which is obviously bullshit. Yep. After this, both girls were rushed to the hospital. Lori managed to survive her horrendous attack, but tragically it was too late for Janine who had lost too much blood and died while in surgery. Ugh. I don't even know which girl I would choose to be, you know? Yes. Right. We we will talk about that. Yes. The trauma. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. And the idea that they lasted so long after being stabbed. Yep. So long. Had he dumped them in the ravine sooner, if he wasn't a monster to the biggest degree, they would have survived. Unbelievable. An autopsy showed that Janine suffered from 41 stab wounds. What? 41. How is it possible to survive that? 
one of the worst things that one of the details I read was that a lot of them were superficial. I was going to say he didn't. So he, he was, was doing fucking it with them. hurt them. Yeah. Yes. He God. wasn't necessarily trying to kill them or he was bad at trying to kill somebody. Ugh. But the, that's worse to me that you would no. have to suffer 41 stab wounds that were superficial and yep. wouldn't just kill you. No. No. Thank yep. you. Yeah. I've read that detail in other cases and I don't. Yeah. No. I it's don't fucking horrendous. Like that at all. No. She also suffered a skull fracture. Mm. Janine Gonzal was described by her family as outgoing, very friendly, and trusting. She had a large group of friends who loved her. She was busy all the time. If someone was going somewhere or doing something, they wanted Janine to go along. She was a good student and received the Outstanding Citizenship Award for her leadership and service to her class. One of her teachers later remembered when she was presenting the award to the class at the end of the year, Janine had no idea it was for her and mm-hmm. even leaned over to the friend sitting next to her and whispered, quote, I hope I can get an award one day. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it was her award. Sweet pie. <sighs> she lived with her mother and the two were, quote, very, very close. After Janine's death, her uncle told reporters that there was nothing unusual about Janine's life. Nothing that could ever prepare them for her terrible fate. Mm. Quote, there was nothing unusual going on in their lives. She just left on a Saturday morning and never came back. Yeah, no. Nope. <sighs> yeah, the same uncle talked about how she was so busy with friends that they would have to like book time with her at a time. Or if they wanted her to go on vacation with them, <sighs> they would have to plan it way in advance because her schedule was so full. Love <laughs> like, it. No. Pencil, t- pencil some time in, kid. Yeah, exactly. Despite Lori's serious wounds, she made it her goal to tell police what happened to her and Janine and who was responsible. She gave them the entire story while still in the emergency room and told them after being dumped down the ravine, she, quote, waited in the cold creek bed at the bottom of the drop for hours, fearing that Rayleigh was still stalking them nearby. Mm. When it started to drizzle, she decided to climb to the road for help. Her hands had been badly cut during her attack, so she climbed up the, quote, muddy and trash-strewn embankment using her elbows. Oh, my God. Uh, humans are amazing. Amazing. And uh, I didn't see pictures of the ravine, but I hear it's very steep. So it's not just a ditch. It's a fucking ravine in yeah. Northern California yep. that people used to dump their garbage. And I'm sure that includes sharp, rusty metal. No and doubt. broken glass. glass. And here is this child climbing up a ravine after being brutally attacked and and held against her will for, you know, I just, the human yeah. ability to survive is unbelievable. And I don't know if you know this about the Bay Area. It's got lots of hills. It's very steep place. So much. Very steep so place. So much. When Lori made it to the top, she had no more energy, so she laid by the side of the road. She explained that three cars passed her without stopping. <laughs> Finally, two men in a pickup truck stopped and called an ambulance. One of the men tried to comfort Lori with a hug, but she said that was the last thing she wanted in that moment. Uh, uh. Lori had been stabbed 35 times. Mm. Her attacker had punctured her abdomen, and she had lacerations to her head, chest, and thighs. Ugh, I forgot they also have fucking wounds all over their all bodies. Nobody over wants their a bodies. hug. Nobody no. wants a hug, honey. 
thank you for being kind, but no. Right. And these are the guys that look, they were trying to administer first aid and then realized they were covered in stab wounds mm. and couldn't help them. And so they're going to give hugs. Just don't do it, please. Yeah. Her hands were badly damaged from defensive wounds as she fought Rayleigh. She also suffered a terrible beating and had contusions to her head. Mm. Because of Lori and Janine's bravery, David Allen Rayleigh was arrested within seven hours of the girls being found. Good. Rayleigh was described as a, quote, police buff who aspired to be a police officer. Oh, I just have chills thinking about you just are off on your merry way, thinking and play Monopoly, thinking you just disposed of these young girls. And meanwhile, she's clawing her way up a muddy mm -hmm. embankment. Mm -hmm. You psycho. Both of them yes. are still alive and one of them is clawing out of a muddy yes. embankment to get yes. your ass put in prison for being such a psycho creep. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Psycho. Incredible. Yeah. And there was like some... If I watched a movie and there's a young teenage girl climbing, yeah, right. She did that. She did she that. She did it. Ugh. Yes. With her elbows. Oh my God. Mind you. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh. And there is a lot of details about the time the girl spent in the trunk and how he moved the car multiple times and put it out on the road and talked to friends about the car. Just loving yep. this fact that he had two girls in the back of his totally. trunk of his sedan bleeding to death. Rayleigh had an emergency scanner in his car that he monitored for any criminal activity in his area. At the time of his arrest, reporters interviewed his next door neighbor who described him as weird and said he acted like a self-appointed neighborhood watchman. Oh, no, the worst kind of person. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, I have a real hard spot for people like that. Yeah. The neighbor claimed that Rayleigh had a fake police light that he would put on top of his brown sedan and he would blare emergency sirens over his CB radio. He was known to pull neighbors over for speeding and would give them warnings to slow down. I'm like, he's 23 years old. Ugh. He's also kidnapping young women and putting them in his trunk and torturing them. And yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, slow down. Citizens arrest. Get yeah. out of here. Right. The same neighbor who was only 15 said that Rayleigh would threaten kids he found skipping school and had even handcuffed this teenager once. The neighbor said that Rayleigh would refuse to let him go until he threatened to call the real police on Rayleigh. Mm. When Rayleigh was arrested, police said he was very cooperative with them because, you know, he's one of the boys. Yeah, he's like, oh, yes, officers, uh, I understand the protocol. I will go calmly. Right. I citizens arrest, raped, tortured, beat, stabbed <sighs> these girls because they were trespassing. He's Ugh. like illegally letting these women trespass right? into his facility that he is mm -hmm. paid to protect. Mm-hmm. Oh, people make so much sense to me mm -hmm. all the time. I never, I'm never confused or mystified by people's behaviors ever. Yep. He admitted to police that he had been the one to attack Janine and Lori, but said he didn't plan to kill them. He was very distraught when he learned Janine had died. As word spread about Janine's murder, more stories started to come out about Rayleigh's predatory behaviors. Many teen girls who had gone to the Caroline Chateau told stories of Rayleigh being creepy with them and suggesting they have sex with him in exchange for the tour he was giving them. Mm -hmm. One group of girls said Rayleigh had them take turns going into the safe in the basement oh of God. the mansion. He would tell them after he closed the door to the safe to scream as a way to demonstrate how soundproof the safe mm -hmm. was. Thank you for the demonstration. You're definitely not trying this out for your future endeavors. Uh-huh. 
A friend of Rayleigh's also came forward and said that a week or two before Janine's murder, he had casually mentioned to her that he could kill someone in the basement of the Carolins and, quote, no one would ever know. Uh-huh. On the morning of the same day that Janine and Lori were attacked, Rayleigh just happened to be interviewed by a journalism student who was writing a story about the mansion. During the interview, he told the student, quote, you wouldn't believe the things girls offer me. Food, money, sex, anything to get inside. Yeah, right. God, so self-important. Rayleigh did not have a good childhood. His mother was a bad alcoholic who was both emotionally and physically abusive towards him and his sister. Mm -hmm. She denied these claims, but Rayleigh's dad and sister both said she was terrible. Yeah. When Rayleigh was a teenager, he was accused of committing, quote, lewd acts with two small children. He was also accused of luring two young girls into his camper, locking them inside and making one of them undress while he took photographs of her. Mm -hmm. After these incidents, the parents of these children complained to Rayleigh's parents who promised they would get him psychiatric help. Rayleigh went to a psychologist three times before his father stopped bringing him, stating the appointments were useless and unnecessary. Hey, boy, boy, boy. Rayleigh was charged with one count of first-degree murder, one count of attempted murder, two counts of assault with the intent to commit rape, and two counts of kidnapping. He was also charged with torturing both Lori and Janine, and if found guilty, he would be eligible for the death penalty. Mm -hmm. His trial began in March of 1987. With the ample evidence against him, Rayleigh's lawyers tried to say he wasn't the only security guard who gave young girls tours of Caroland. They said these guards were also creepy and could have been the ones who kidnapped Lori and Janine. <laughs> and I don't know. I read that in the the court records. They also admitted that he did it and he admitted that he did it. And so maybe they were saying, well, maybe he had help or mm-hmm. there was other. I don't know really it wasn't, or there was like a culture of this, and so yeah. he just took it too far, but a lot of people <laughs> exactly. were doing it kind of right. a thing. Yeah. yeah. The girls asked for it. We're, exactly. They also said it wasn't Rayleigh's fault that Janine died, despite the fact that he kidnapped, beat, stabbed, held her in the trunk of his car for more than 12 hours, and then dumped her down a ravine in the middle of nowhere, that she would have survived if the doctors had done a better job treating her injuries. L-O-L. Can you believe that? Dude, that's some shit. That's some shit. Mm. Yeah. They were like, oh, they didn't realize until it was too late that she was also having severe exposure reaction to the elements. And they didn't treat that quick enough. And had they, she could have survived. I... They also used the fact that Lori's blood pressure had actually been worse than Janine's when they arrived at the hospital as proof that she could have survived if the doctors had done more. I'm speechless. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Imagine if that was something you could do. Like, oh, well, I caused all of this, but Ugh. she would have lived if the driver had driven faster. Or No, it's like... <laughs> When you break it, when burglars break into someone's house and then fall through their skylight and then sue the person's house mm-hmm. and then they win because that's a thing. Like, right. oh, my God. The defense team also tried their best to prove that Rayleigh hadn't planned to kill his victims. He only wanted to quote, fool around with them. And if I have to say fool around with them one yeah. more time, I'm yep. going to stab somebody in their eyeballs. Yeah, that's a very 80s, 90s thing to say. Mm-hmm. 
But they said that he then stabbed them in, quote, an explosion of violence that was a mere unconsidered or rash impulse hastily executed. Mm. They believed because of this, he shouldn't be found guilty of first degree murder. Prosecutors were happy to point out the fact that Rayleigh had put other girls in the safe to check and see if it was soundproof. Lori also took the stand and testified that Rayleigh was ready for them. Yeah. He had a large knife, duct tape, handcuffs, and rope. She said when he brought her into a separate room to assault her, there was a rope already tied to a bench that he used to restrain her. Prosecutors also explained to the jury that Lori and Janine suffered through two separate knife attacks that each lasted for 10 to 15 minutes. He also stabbed them separately. So in total, there were four knife attacks. Mm. He would stab one girl and then go stab the other in a separate room so they couldn't see each other. And he did that twice. Oh, my God. These were not frenzied out of control attacks. Not that it matters, but the girls didn't provoke him or make him angry. They were actually very, well, it sounds like Lori was more afraid of making him mad and Janine was fighting him more. But regardless, he stabbed them, seemed to enjoy it and went back later for more. Totally. He also had hours to make the choice to let them go. But instead, he kept them in his trunk, knowing the temperatures outside were near freezing, Mm -hmm. and then drove them to a very remote location, beat them again before dumping them down a ravine like garbage and leaving. Yep. Uh, Lori also said that during the drive to the ravine, he stopped multiple times, opened the trunk, a car would go by, he would chicken out, close the trunk, and then take off. And so he was looking for the right place, most remote to dump them with no intentions of them surviving. No, 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 no. This isn't like, okay, I'm going to drop you back home now and thanks for a good time. This is, yeah. no. d- d- this is disposal time. Yes, and I'm going to bring you to, I'm not going to actually kill you, but I'm going to bring you to an inch of your life yep. so that you, I can prolong your suffering yep. as long as possible. Totally. On April 22nd, 1987, David Allen Rayleigh was found guilty of first-degree murder, attempted murder, and kidnapping with special circumstances. Good. Two weeks later, Rayleigh's sentencing hearing began. Because he was eligible for the death penalty, it was a lengthier trial than normal that eventually ended in a hung jury. They were not able to come to an agreement if Rayleigh should receive life in prison or death. His second trial was held in February of 1988, and in the end, he was sentenced to death. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Rayleigh has appealed his conviction with no luck and has run out of appeals. <laughs> okay, oh, good. Shocking. He's still on death row in San Quentin. But California is still in the process of deciding what to do with their death penalty. Mm-hmm. And it keeps going back and forth. And they rebuilt their lethal injection chamber. Oh, wow. To be better than it was. And so then they, the state said, okay, you can now do executions. But the governor's like, I don't really want to. Yeah. But he went through all of the prisoners sitting on death row. And a lot of them, their sentence was converted to life. Right. But Rayleigh really is one of 18 
prisoners that he was like, no, nah, I think we'll keep them on death row. For yeah. Now. You know what? Just in case we change yeah. our minds, mm-hmm. you seem like you can just sit here and wait and wonder. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. After Rayleigh's trial, Lori McKenna tried to move on with her life, but found herself plagued with anxiety attacks and the lasting physical effects of the damage that Rayleigh did to her body. Yeah, no doubt. In May of 1988, she was interviewed by a reporter for the L.A. Times. By then, she had graduated high school and started college, but had to drop out because of a few surgeries she needed because of her still healing stab wounds. Mm -hmm. During the interview, she talked about her fear of Rayleigh getting out of prison and coming for her and her family. She really wanted him to go ahead and be put to death really bad. She said the time she felt the most sad was on Janine's birthday, January 9th. Quote, I will always be sad on that day, she said. I remember her last birthday. She had just gotten her car and she was so happy. Lori also struggled with survivor's guilt. Why did she survive, but Janine didn't? She said that Janine was always a fighter and that she made Rayleigh's life hard the day he picked them to terrorize. Quote, I know she had a real brawl up against him, she said with a hint of admiration was mad. I remember asking her when he put us in his trunk, are you okay? She snapped back. Yes, I'm fine. Yeah, girl. <laughs> I know. Get <laughs> mad. Yeah. When asked more about surviving the attack, she said, quote, I see Janine's brother sometimes and I can't even look at him. Mm. I know there are people out there who probably wish Janine had lived instead of me. Oh, honey. No, honey. No, no, no elbow crawl. No, no. no. I get angry, not that I lived, but that I have to live with this. Yep, I would too. I would get very angry about that. Mm -hmm. In 1988, Lori's aspirations were to become a fashion designer Mm. and to, quote, settle down someday to a simple life with a husband who can understand what she had been through and lend support. Oh, my God. Quote, right now for me to be somebody's girlfriend would be a headache, she said. It's not that I'm a basket case, but they just don't know how to deal with it. People don't want to deal with yucky things. What happened to me is a part of me. It's not something I can change. There's nothing I want to hide. Fast forward 20 years in 2006, Lori was interviewed for the anniversary, the 20th anniversary of the attack Mm -hmm. and told journalists that she still bore the scars of that day, both inside and out, but she managed to put a good life together for herself. Good. She became a mom and married a former San Francisco Giants pitcher. Yes. <laughs> Get Quote, some of uh-huh. it. Quote, I look okay. My life is good, but I kind of feel like I made that part. I decided to make my life better. I could have wallowed. It's true. You can wallow all you want, honey. Nobody's yep. going to judge you. The people who matter are not going to judge you for wallowing in that. I'm glad you didn't, but... Yeah, that is yeah. your choice yeah. to wallow or not. Yes. And that was the last interview I could find with Lori and didn't I didn't want to dig. She can tell us what she wants or not, you yeah, know. So absolutely. I don't know how she is today, but in 2006 she was doing doing good. It's probably very complicated. I would guess her life is probably complicated. Yeah. Yes. I would assume so. <sighs> it never gets easier in some ways. The loss of Jeannie and being the one to survive and no dealing with a trauma of all that comes with it especially at the time that she had to go through that Mm -hmm. i just can't imagine what people put her through on the other side of it too no well and even so much better now but 
Yeah. Yeah. The reporter's questions weren't in the article, but in 1988, she's 20 years old, just gotten through this terrible trial that she was on the stand for for days. And they're asking her, do you plan to date? I'm sure she's not just, oh, yeah, I want a boyfriend. She's not offering that. They are asking her and she's trying to come up with answers. But she's like, no, I don't want to fucking date anybody. And they don't want to deal with me right now because I just survived a brutal attack and watched my best friend die. And yeah. got locked in a trunk for half a day. Like, uh, who are you getting? Uh, who are you planning to smooch this summer? Right, girlfriend. Um, yeah. Oh okay. god, it gives me chills. It makes me so mad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's so 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 hard. Mm-hmm. So sad. Mm-hmm. So after being abandoned for many decades, Carolyn's was purchased for six million dollars by Anne and Charles B. Johnson, who. Uh, I hear on NPR, they have a foundation. Thanks. Right. Ann and Charles B. Johnson yes. foundation. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Charles Johnson is one of the principal owners of the San Francisco Giants. Who knew? Which I just think is very interesting coincidence that he, the owner of the Giants, bought yeah. the property where one of his former players yep. wives was brutally attacked. attacked. Maybe that's how it came about. It could be. Maybe. They spent years and millions of dollars restoring the chateau to its original glory. They lived in the home for about 10 years before turning it over to the Carolyn's Foundation. The foundation gives free guided tours a few times a month. To get tickets for the tours, visitors are chosen via a lottery system. Wow. If Janine Grinzel was still alive, she would now be in her mid-50s. At her funeral, the minister giving her eulogy said, quote, it was a weekend of horror and now a lifetime of grief. Oh, Lord, how we love her, how we miss her, how we wish it hadn't happened like this. Boy. And that is the terrible story of dear Janine Grinzel and Lori McKenna. Where has this story been all our lives? I feel I like this know. is just another one that we should all know by heart. I know. I know. One podcast, Once Upon a Crime. Uh-huh did the case and that was about it that's wild how do we not know this story that is so crazy so there you go i'm really sorry Lori. if you hear this if your family is listening holy shit girl holy shit i just hope that you can live in your bravery and love for your friend and know that it shouldn't have to be one or the other and I think that's one of the saddest things when I think about survivor's guilt. Yep. I wish it didn't feel like it. Why me? Yeah. Why not both? And yeah. why couldn't Janine survive too? Be- well, imagine- why couldn't this guy not fucking do this to them? Right. Is the real question. Right. Right. Then also imagine had she not climbed out of there, they might not have ever found them. They might yeah, have, the families absolutely. might have just had to wonder forever what happened to their daughters as they laid yeah. at the bottom of this freaking ravine. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and this guy was free to do more of that mm-hmm. because you know he was ready. Mm-hmm. He was ramped up. He did his little test run. He would, had the taste for it, and he was just going to keep going until he got caught. And you caught him right out of the gate. Yep. Good for you. Yes. Thank God. Yes. So sorry for Janine's family. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's just such a horrible, horrible, horrible thing to do to a person, to two people yep. and their families. And the pe- it's just senseless. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, no. just don't get it. No, no, I understand it perfectly. Let me explain. Let, yeah, listen, 
His mom was not nice, so he should be able to just torture women willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Right? I know. Yeah. God, ew. don't do it. Don't do it. And I would say that he should go play Monopoly with all the other bad guys, but he I, did, and it he, didn't help. So, What do we do with him? Guys, <laughs> what do we do? There's got to be a solution. There's got to be, right? Just a, some kind of Thunderdome for baddies. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know the whole point of gaining power is to gain power over everyone in the whole entire world. That's what you're getting off on. But mm-hmm. can't we just put you in a th- in a t- in a ball <laughs> with your wrist board and your fucking <laughs> two ball monopolies and just let you duke it out in there? And whoever is the best at it gets to be the king of the tube ball for a while, and then. You rebattle every once in a while and the rest of us can go and pay money to watch you battle it out in the tube ball. And then you get the money that we pay to watch you. That's part of the deal. And we broadcast it on television. You can have that money too. I don't know. How do we keep them occupied? How do we? Right. Whoa, look over here. Whoa, he has so many things. <laughs> wow, we are suffering. <laughs> Good job, guys. Yeah. Ouch. God. Enough is a fucking enough. Enough is enough. It's... Oh, in the Congo. Didn't mention the Congo. I guess it was vague about the general suffering, but there's we're also doing this in the Congo. What is happening? Enough. Enough. We're good. We're done. We're good. That's it. Mm-hmm. We are better than this. We know more. We need to stop now. Yeah. Yep. All of it. Thunderdome home to ball. I don't know. I'm like, I'm trying to play within the, the rules of capitalism here because obviously capitalism is dominating the entire world. So if you need money, we'll broadcast it on television. You guys can duke mm-hmm. it out. I don't know. Yeah. Nobody wants this except for you. Nobody else wants it. No. Even the people who are like, hell yeah, fights, woo, war, America. They just really want to drink a Mike's heart and go fucking four wheeling. They don't want this either. They want a sandwich and a hug from their kids. Yep. Nobody wants this. Mm -mm. Nobody wants genocide in the Congo for fucking cell phone parts. Gen Z doesn't even want cell phones. They're doing flip phones. So guess what? Mm -hmm. It was all for nothing. You psychopaths. It's time to look at it in the eye. Look the monster in the eye and distract it with shiny things. I don't know. Lure them into the Thunderdome and see what happens. It's like when you get to the four-way stop and nobody goes. I think that's generally the metaphor for humanity. Everyone's going to sit and wave everyone else forward at the four-way. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. without people telling you to hate other people, we just want a sandwich and a hug. Yep. Oi. I don't feel like doing shouty-outies today. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, Court. Yeah, I find myself just really overwhelmed with all of it. It's hard to find the right words. Yep. Yep. My words are, no, no, no. Uh, uh, uh. Stop, you fucking child. Yeah. You monstrous baby person. Mm -hmm. God. But if you are able, make art. Make as much art as you possibly can because this world needs you. Mm -hmm. Make art, make connections. Yep. Use your voice. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like they're just suffocating us. Mm-hmm. And it's not fair. No. And it's a criminal. Yeah, at minimum. So get your beautiful ass out there 
and put your little beautiful soul needs to be seen. It's precious. It's a miracle that you're even here. It's a miracle that any of us are here. And those of us who can just live as hard and loud as you can. And those of us who are suffering, I'm so sorry. Yeah, me too. We love you all very, very much. So much. So much. I still feel hopeful, which is so weird, but I do. <laughs> just so you know, I'm sorry for yeah. the people that don't get to be around to see what's next, but this feels like the end of something big, you know? Mm-hmm. And my whole life I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I don't have to go through like the world wars and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was like Clinton, MTV, mm-hmm. Total Request Live. This feels weird, but it also, I'm grateful I don't have to go through all that. Well, guess what? It's mm-hmm. cyclical. <laughs> <sighs> Here we are, our 80 years or whatever, our 80 year mm-hmm. cycle is happening mm-hmm. now and it's really suffocating and overwhelming, but I'm also very grateful and overwhelmed by the fact that we have access to things that we wouldn't otherwise in, mm-hmm. in previous generations. we This all would have just happened and none of us would have been the wiser. And I'm glad that we know, glad that right. we can have access to people who are experiencing it firsthand. Mm-hmm. And push back and not just <laughs> yep. blindly fall behind, like fall in line, yep. and do what we're told. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because... Yeah, none of the citizens of any of these countries that any of this, including the United States, none of us want this shit. No. Nobody wants this. Yep. Nobody wants to be at the whim of a fucking madman. And I feel like we are all at the whims of madmen, with maybe mm-hmm. the exception of like Iceland and New Zealand. <laughs> <Right>. You know? <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> like, yep. Ugh, let's quiet. Uh, wait, is New Zealand, is Iceland hammock island? Ooh. All the well, Iceland, Icelanders maybe. and New Zealanders are like, no, 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 no. There's a not, reason, guys. There's a reason. Not invited here, please. you haven't all piled your <laughs> bullshit onto our beautiful country. So let's yeah. keep it that way. No, I still like our trash island, our in the middle of the uh, ocean right? trash island idea. Like <sighs> was that, that on that a Patreon or was that on the main oh, feed? Oh, I don't know. We talk about Hammock Island a lot because I think it was on main feed. It's my uh, maladaptive, I've learned about maladaptive daydreaming um, through Mm -hmm. TikTok, which is basically if you're neurodivergent, uh, you daydream real hard. (laughs) (laughs) You can sort of escape from reality into your daydreams. That's very much my uh, MO. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time in Hammock Island. But um, yeah, we decided if it wasn't on the main feed, we decided that we'll just take that trash island that's accumulated out in the middle of the ocean that they're trying to dismantle and just build a whole island out there for us all to live on. And <laughs> what a great place to disguise Hammock Island on Trash Island and be like, no, we're disassembling it. Wink, wink. No, we're taking it apart and recycling it. Definitely not building a thriving community of gays and neurodivergence and neurotypicals you just want a sandwich it's not Uh no it's Uh fine now it's cool don't worry about it goodbye this is me like using my paddle my words to paddle away from whoever's asking about trash island (laughs) what are you guys doing out there disassembling trash island obviously why (laughs) Why are there so many hammocks why do you need so much glitter (laughs) why do you need that sound system a boom box yeah Looks like a nice buffet of food. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Nope. Just for trash. How islanders. much fennel does someone need to disassemble? <laughs> How many? Here's your heads? mojito. Go on your way. 
finds her because we'd share. We're sh- we would share, but <laughs> what are you going to do with all that aquafaba on Trash Island? <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'm definitely not making fabulous cocktails. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Oh my God, you guys, this place is so horrible and so beautiful. I know, I know. We just got to hold on, believe in each other, believe in ourselves, do the best we can. Um, Before we go, I have a name for you, Courtney. Oh my God, what? One of our listeners, friend of mine, Alan, who I've known my whole life, and he's been a first day listener. Yep. Hi, Alan. Messaged me and said that his dad's neurologist is named Jason Voorhees. Shut up. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Shut Halloween. Uh-uh. And his dad got the doctor on Friday the 13th. Shut <laughs> your mouth off. No way. Yeah. And he said that he was born shortly before the movie and is a big fan and always dresses as Jason on Halloween. Um, yes. Okay. You know what? See, listen, the world is so beautiful. Yeah. It's so horrible. And it's also like that happened. That exists. Mm-hmm. That's a real yes. man who's a brain doctor. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Despite all odds of being named Jason Voorhees, he has oh, risen God. above and become a brain doctor. <laughs> and owned it and loves it and celebrates it That's on amazing. Halloween. That's so, amazing. I am yes. honestly jealous. I'm mm-hmm. honestly jealous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, and the other Jason Voorhees. <laughs> and the other name I have for you is I have I have learned how to quilt. Yeah, I have a group of ladies that I one of them is my neighbor. Hey, Ashley, she also listens and we've been longtime friends, but she introduced me to these other fine ladies and we like to go to Applebee's. We call it the old lady quilt club. Yeah, we go to Applebee's and have dollar Rita's or whatever. Uh, you didn't have dollar Rita's. I, I asked. I, not yet. Couldn't no, do it. Not yet. Um, But we were hanging out and the other day and one of the ladies in the group mentions casually her neighbor named Jim Jam. Oh and just ca- and then Ashley and I are sitting across from each other and we lock eyes and she raises her eyebrows and I nod knowing yes. Yes, yes ma'am. I hear you. I understand. <laughs> and then she goes on, the other our dear friend goes on to say he's a creep by the way, Jim Jam. <laughs> His creepy neighbor, you know, she deals with him but she's not real happy and she's like, uh yeah, once he handed her something, I think like a pin or something. It was merchandise for his band. Mm-mm. Jim Jam and the Shim Shams. <laughs> Shut it. Shut it. I was like, um, do they do they still play in my town? Like, can I go listen to can Jim I Jam please? and the Shim Shams? And I don't know if she answered that question. I don't remember. I don't. Maybe I just asked it in my head because I don't. Anyway, I need to figure out if I can go see this creep, Jim Jam and his <laughs> band, the Shim Shams. <laughs> Shim Shams. Well, uh, since uh, I only have two names, because Sadie and I, I'm going to be out of town for two weeks, you guys. I get to leave on vacation for two weeks, which has been the preparation for that is reminding me why I never go on vacation, because mm-hmm. it's very hard to front load my life. But I have two names, so I'll go ahead and say them, since we're already doing names. One one of them, I'm positive this is real, because it came from a very reputable source, Barry McCockiner. <laughs> And number two, so remember how I have a, I did not end up using Daniel Steele as my insurance broker. Oh, man. Yeah. 
Um, breaks my heart. I know. I got some other guy. His name is normal and not mm. to, interesting enough to be shared on name time. But I was talking to somebody at Megaphone, which is a podcast hosting service. I was talking to him about pricing because I was thinking about putting please leave over there. Anyway, his name is Tyler Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. Did you point that out to him? and Tyler Swift. (laughs) Like, how often are people like, oh, my God, Tyler Swift? He's like, yeah, I know. I know. Oh, my God. I get on on Tyler Swift. I I get on Taylor Swift TikTok a lot. And I'm like, why why do you think I want to be on Taylor Swift TikTok? I guess because every single person in the entire universe other than me and, like, three people love uh, Mm -hmm. to the point of obsession Taylor Swift. I don't. I don't dislike her, but I have no, I feel nothing. I feel empty. (laughs) No, I completely agree. I wish I got it. I don't. Yeah, I think she's talented. I think she's a great songwriter. Mm -hmm. I don't, I am not bashing Taylor Swift at all, but I don't feel exceptional feelings. No. I think it's me and not them, you know? Yeah, totally. It's me. It's not you. It's me. It's very, Uh it's not you guys. It's definitely me. But I'm like, yeah, why is my soul dead that I can't be obsessed? (laughs) Uh Anyway, we love you. Thank you for being here. Hang in there. We're in this together. Yep. Make art. Use your voice. Make art. Mm -hmm. Use your voice. And if you want to spend more time with us. You can do so at TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at They Will Kill. You can go to our website, theywillkill.com, and you can always email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell your friends about us. Yeah. You can spread the word, get on Reddit, Facebook, wherever you talk about things. Somebody said that they went to... Oh, yeah. It was like Obsessed Fest. And they spent the whole time recommending us to other people, which is perfect. Thank you for doing I that. I mean, that's that what is we need. Way above and beyond. Thank you so much Seriously. for doing that. Yes. Thanks, AJ Bergant, for your music. Thank you so much. And remember, just put your little self out there as much as you can, mm-hmm. as much as you feel called to. That is the whole point of this bullshit. If you feel the burning inside of you, follow the burning inside of you. Even if the burning inside of you is like, let's collage great that yes do it whatever the burning inside of you wants to make banana bread make banana bread whatever you can keep in yourself and share with other people who are deserving of it do that 100 percent. or at least be able to have a fucking sandwich and a hug we love you guys so we much love you so much thank you for being here and we're gonna see you again real soon we'll see you then we love you baby goodbye goodbye, goodbye.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.